1: Long before the Superdome Where the saints of football play
2: Lived a city that
1: the damned call home Hear their hellish Rondellay New Orleans of pirates, drunks and hoars New Orleans
2: Take that trip to the on the hey everybody, welcome to episode 5 of season 2 of Reporting as Eligible. Um, we have another great dominant victory to talk about, but before I get going, uh, I'm Paul Noonan. We're at uh, right Acme Packing Company, do the Milwaukee's Tailgate Podcast, and with me in what we've established as Urban Wawatosa.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. We'll do my best not to talk over you nonstop for 90 minutes as we have seen <laughs> other facets of our, I don't know, pop culture con- consuming? I'm not even sure what to call what the presidential debate is.
2: Not really politics. Wrestling, I don't know. Mudslinging.
0: Res- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yelling. Um, wrestling's
1: old- actually fun to watch. Yeah, good point. Agreed.
0: And it's it's got choreography. This this had no choreography whatsoever. <laughs>
1: This was like a Royal Rumble. It's
2: like a Jets game. That's what this oh, is. Oh yeah, it is. Anyway, yeah. and and over in Colorado, as per usual.
1: I'm Matt, but you can call me Mithub, uh, Meme Smith for Acme Packing Company, and general Twitter rabble rouser.
2: Yes, and good work on Hot Take of the Week, getting an immediate shout out from uh, Negler and Benke. Uh, well, well done. Um, it it was a nice boost for everybody. Thank you. Um, very nice to see uh, really quick before we get into the game just a reminder if you uh, go to patreon.com slash Milwaukee's tailgates and if you sign up for the five dollar level or above before October 15th uh, you will be entered to win one of five uh, DVOA dorks value only Ital- analytics t-shirts that I have coming to me so uh, go ahead and do that you'll also get the mini pod you'll get Brad and Ryan's minor league extra um, uh, not as important possibly with baseball season about to end, <laughs> but uh, maybe maybe the Brewers will go to the World Series and it'll be super important. So it's possible. Three, in, for yourself. three games, anything can happen. So uh, you, you never know. Uh, anyway, yeah. we,
0: Can we go to hottest take of the week for a second Sure. before sure. we dive
2: in? So I just want to
0: defend a little bit my colleague, even though I, I have not talked to him about this, Pete Doherty, because you were poking fun at him pointing out that the Taysom Hill, uh, I believe you referred to it as a blunder, one of the biggest blunders of Ted Thompson. That's, uh, that's, that's what he called it. I know, that's I know. What I call right, it. right, right. Sorry. Yes, I wasn't clear. <laughs> that is that is the terminology he used, that it's a, it was a big blunder. And I can't speak to that. I, obviously, I, I don't think it's one of the biggest. In fact, I am amused by the Taysom Hill love fest that we have, just like the rest of you are. However... When I saw that story, I was so elated. I am, because this is what I do as the trending sports reporter. You want to find stuff that people are talking about and fascinated with, even if it's beyond comprehension why people are fascinated with it. The idea that we wrote about Taysom Hill at that length during the <laughs> the week of the game was just, I mean, like, I was just, I, I'm so proud. That's exactly what you want to do. You have got, because that is what captures people's attention, is talking about this thing that everyone's already talking about. So, uh, so that's uh, that was kind of my thought. There's probably a little more methodology behind it than actually considering it one of the biggest blunders ever. Th- those were his words, so you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that part of it, but. Uh... I do. Th- I am fond of of our organization writing about Taysom Hill
2: this I mean, week. That it, was awesome. In terms of pop culture zeitgeist, you couldn't have done much better in terms of both capturing Packer fan interest and timing on the game. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it, it was perfect. It was great. I, Taysom Hill sucked. It believe, was amazing. I can't believe Taysom Hill cost the Saints the game in that game. That's incredible. <laughs> like the Taysom Hill anti-revenge. So
1: game. I'm really excited to film Hottest Take of the Week this week because people got big mad. About me shitting on Taysom Hill. Really? Big mad. Um, in the history of Hottest Take of the Week in the last three years, it's the most down votes I've ever gotten on a YouTube video. <laughs> Congratulations
2: um, on your down votes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I um, got multiple comments on the YouTube channel. So I feel like people were just like searching Taysom Hill on YouTube. Um, I got Saints fans in my mentions. Um, some guy wearing a Taysom Hill jersey in his profile picture, left this dissertation about Taysom Hill in college and how, like, explaining every one of his seven incomplete
2: passes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was, people were big. So, like, this week, I'm going to be insufferable. And I'm so hyped.
2: Taysom Hill's probably as good a place as any to start because it was probably the biggest play of the game, too. I I think by a win probably added, it shifted... Um, from the Saints' sixty-five uh, percent chance to win the game to the Saints' a forty percent chance to win the game, which is wow, a, which is a huge swing. And the the Saints had a ton of uh, momentum. I know, whatever, not not a real thing, but um, I mean momentum, momentum. The Saints were they had the ball, they were in good shape to score again and get right back, like take the lead, basically. And uh, I I still like even if you like Taysom Hill as a gadget player, like. Taking Drew Brees of all people out for two series a game or three series a game to have that guy do random nonsense is is ridiculous. Like uh, he should be on the Bears or some team with a trash quarterback. That that's the perfect place for Taysom Hill, where you can come in and relieve really Mitch Trubisky and give him a breather. Like that's where he should be. But uh, this isn't. I know he won him a playoff game last year, but he has cost them plenty of games as well by by not not quite this drastic but just by stopping out and having to punt so um it was it was just lovely to see just so many storylines former packer quarterback everybody didn't like cutting him um and just this weird gadget player who's super overpaid by the way too that's uh i think the main thing about Taysom hill is he got a ridiculous contract he's paid like a quarterback as like the breeze era parent which he's just not, because he's not an NFL prospect at quarterback. It's not going to happen for him.
1: Uh, so that was that was the point I made in to take of the week. He's making sixteen million a year. He's uncuttable. It's basically all guaranteed. Um, and so he's paid more than every running back who's not Christian McCaffrey. Paid more than all but like two wide receivers. He's he's paid more than all tight ends. It's, it's a disgusting contract. <laughs> gotcha. For him to throw fourteen passes in his career, I mean, with no touchdowns,
2: good good for him. Expound
0: on that too. Like the the Saints, what they were doing on offense was working. They were the short passing thing. Like obviously, the Packers' defense is still a major question mark. The the Saints were advancing the football. They were doing everything they needed to do, and then they bring in Taysom Hill, and he turns it over, and that's the end of that. Like I don't, I don't understand why they felt the need to to deviate. What they were doing was very (laughs) simple. Just keep doing that. It's, it's not even. It's freaking Drew
1: Brees doesn't throw the ball more than 15 yards, and for whatever reason, Mike Pettin had the corners 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, so like, weird. Jam some, so like the the um Jair almost int like when the defense kind of started to wake up at the very very end of the game, Jair was playing press man.
2: Yep, finally, um, and in... finally, <laughs> yep, in another bad Pettin game where there is uh, a strategy obviously being played by one team, and he doesn't adjust. He just plays his normal game lets people think and dunk him to death, which is the Drew Brees game at this point. It was working really well. Uh, I, I have no idea why they changed from it. Uh, very stark contrast, again, to uh, to, to Lafleur, who um, we talked about in week one how he was running plays until they didn't work. He kept running that little forward toss play in week one. This time the the, the bre- or the Brewers, jeez, man, holy cow, um, the- <laughs> oh, dude, I do that, I do that all the time. I'm writing about the Packers. I write Brewers on the regular. Ah, uh, jeez, that's terrible. But at least they're both playing right now. That could have been worse. Um, but they kept the Packers. Aaron Rodgers kept running that that uh, that just bootleg play like over and over and over again, and it worked every single time. It was great. It, same old thing. Like just run until it till it, di- til it dies. And the Saints did I, what I, coaches drive me crazy when they do this. Just oh, we gotta have some variety. Gotta change it up. Gotta get lesser players in there. We haven't run enough. We haven't run this package that I planned yet, even though it might not work. Like that—that's why they lost the game. Breeze was totally fine. Um, he had him in the game, charging down to take the lead, and you just go with this gadget crap, and King, Kingsley KK busts through and kn- knocks it out or re- recovers it. One of he knocked it out. Right? I'm
1: still. Yeah. I'm calling him Kiki forever. Like it's because of the Drake meme <laughs> Kingsley Kiki.
0: Is it right? I don't think the Saints uh, had yeah. allowed a sack the first two weeks. So what Kingsley Kiki did was, uh was pretty impressive yeah. to get to the quarterback, even the first place before he that's before he actually forces the fumble on Taysom Hill. He had a couple sacks.
2: Yep. He had a really good game. He was um, one of the few standouts on defense, actually, um, uh, especially with the line in tatters. He's, a, I think he's actually a pretty good player. He's had a good season. He's he's like the only good run defender and has had a pretty good pass first season too. So um hopefully he sticks around and doesn't get hurt because a lot of other people did. But uh mm-hmm. biggest play of the game by Kingsley Kiki. And that kind of ended it to some extent. <laughs> um just kill the Saints drive. They didn't really get much after that. I got a feel uh, you know how to take that back. The Emmanuel Sanders touchdown was after that. Um but uh by then they needed an onside kick to yeah. stay in the game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, j- just a crazy one, and even their big plays were just like the, the Alvin Kamara dump off. Like so many of their big plays were just oh the God. Packers screwing up much more than anything that the Saints actually did. Uh, just bad tackling, running around like the chickens with their heads cut off. Uh, that Kamara touchdown was ridiculous. I watched it like ten times this morning just to see how all the missed tackles. Um, the best one, the best two are both <laughs> Will Redmond, who like just jumps into him with his arms are available. Like he could. Reach out with his arms <laughs> and grab uh, and and grab Kamara and pull him down. But he just like he's got him like out his side like a penguin and just like jumps into him like nudging him. It's I don't know what he was doing. It's crazy. Like I would have cut him. The That's next how Lancaster day. went after him too. <laughs> so bad to see. Um,
0: Lancaster ran the length ooh. of the field to get after that guy though and just missed tackling him before the goal line. So he gets he gets my love still.
2: Yeah, he hustled. I'll take he- hustle.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, am I thinking of Lancaster? He missed the second the second tackle attempt, right?
0: Was that him? Actually no.
1: I don't think it was him. No, no. Lowry. who's a uh, uh, No, it was the it was the middle linebacker. Ty 44. Summers? Ty Summers. Ty, I mean Ty Summers. Summers yeah, was, like, sum-
2: it was a ton of tackles in this game too. Sum-
1: so. Summers literally dove. Like he was eye level parallel to the ground. Like why? <laughs> Just wrap up.
0: He, he's a, first, uh, first snaps as a defensive player in an NFL game, so I'm going to give him a little bit of leeway, but yeah, a, it didn't look great. Give him a little
2: slack, but he uh, he's a good coverage linebacker. Well, I take that back. He's a fast coverage linebacker. Technically, lacks go. a little bit, but uh, his preseason MO is bouncing off of guys. Uh, I remember in a preseason game, he had a free run at some third-string quarterback and looked like he was going to kill him and just got like sh- shouldered off um, and flung into the backfield fackerel style. And uh, that's kind of been his tackling style ever since. It's uh, not Yikes. great. Uh, you know who was good in this game? Let me, let me oh, say a couple things. Go ahead,
0: JR. Before we do that, I want to say a couple things about the tackling there on the Kamara play. First of all, uh, it, it inspired me to go back and watch Beastquake, the uh, Seattle game <laughs> from 2010 where they uh, – uh, Beastquake. That, and it, that is such a hilarious highlight, and I love it so much. There is a point where you just can't help but laugh out loud the way he just pushes a defender and he just goes flying. This is Marshawn Lynch doing the pushing. Uh, incredible. It was definitely, it wasn't at that level, but it was close that that level. So I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it retroactively because of that. Second of all, I I always, and when I see a big play like that, I am, I, the thing that jumps to mind is the way that tacklers have struggled to make plays, especially on guys who've hit full speed without committing a penalty, without hitting someone in the face mask or doing a horse collar. I mean, we saw a horse collar tackle in this game. That was not a horse collar, but there's just so many ways guys, guys now more than ever are learning how to fall or how to you know, draw penalties here. Like it's, it's hard to bring a guy down without committing a penalty. So I I always think that's probably in the back of guys' heads. And then the third thing is something we talked about last year, tackling matters, which obviously it does to a degree, but sometimes we maybe overemphasize tackling, like being, being a sure tackler, isn't necessarily top skill you look for anymore. You're looking for guys who are you know, especially when you get to the secondary guys that aren't even going to be thrown at or guys who, you know, it's, it's not their job. And I mean, if we're talking about a linebacker, a middle linebacker like Ty Summers, your job is to tackle. That is what you're there for. That is only the only thing you need to do. So obviously it doesn't apply to everybody. But I, I'm not I don't get as burned out by lack of tackling surefire tackling ability because I I don't know if that's the thing that you're being brought in to do. If you're if you're a big part of a defense, there's there's other aspects you know, creating havoc, pass rushing, uh, defending the ball in the air. Like, there's so many other things that 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 guys are being asked to do.
2: No, nope, agree with that. And I think um, it really depends a lot on your defensive style too. Like Belichick, it really does focus on getting good tacklers in, and then making sure that the play goes in front of everybody. 49ers are this way too, making sure that you check down and then are a sure tackler, limit yak. But that's not really how the Packers are designed. They, they uh, are much more defend the pass and, and you know shunt the pass where they want it to go, defend and make it hard to throw and get sacks. Like it's, it's defend the pass until you wrap up the quarterback or make him throw it away. They clearly, I mean, you can tell by watching them, they clearly don't care as much about tackling. They let running backs go. That's part of their strategy. They, they don't tackle well in front of them. It's part of their strategy to not have balls thrown in front of them too much. In this game, they did. But the corners are supposed to prevent the ball getting there more than anything else. So that, that's what they look for, and that's what they get. And it sometimes makes for ugly plays like like that one. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so bad.
0: I mean, Alvin Kamar is so good. Oh, my God. He's so good. He's good. He's really good.
1: Uh, not as, he's not as good as Aaron Jones.
0: don't
2: know. Well, <laughs> this
0: isn't the best showcase for that, but I don't know, man. He is fun to watch. Kamara I actually think he
2: is a little better than Aaron Jones because he is a better receiver than Aaron Jones. I would say Jones is a little bit better of a runner, but uh, uh, Kamara's been a good receiver since he came out, and Jones hasn't. So give him the edge. there True. You know, you know who was good in this? But game I guess was, I haven't.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen. <laughs> but I, I haven't. I haven't seen Kamara do the circus catches that we've seen out of Jones.
2: Uh, he doesn't get put, uh, sent deep quite as much, but he does a ton with the stuff, the short stuff he gets. He's not used as a receiver in the same way. Fair enough. D- different, different offensive philosophy. Okay. O- Oren Burks was good in this game for the first time that he's ever been good. Yes. Yeah. Um, came in basically t- played in Redmond's spot for a while, and he's he's a better athlete than a lot of the sort of big safety guys they go for, including Redmond. And actually looked very nice filling in on run when he was in there, and a few times defending the pass. I think if he'd been in for that. Um, Kamara play that they it might not have gone for a touchdown. So um, that's good to see.
1: Well, he prevented one. He was he did the, he was trailing Kamara in the flat and caught him and from caught behind,
2: him, which was great. Um, like w- the bright spots in this game were so weird. Um, like ah. <laughs> <laughs> Br- Bricks and Kiki Jire was good, so that's good. Chan and Sullivan, pretty good, that's also fine. Now again, did we hear Kevin King mentioned once? Has Kevin King been mentioned on a yes. broadcast? Did we? Kevin King. Kevin At King gave one. up.
1: "Quote unquote," gave up the touchdown okay. to Emmanuel Sanders when he had to climb the ladder. Yeah, but it was quarters coverage, and he was between two zones, so right. I don't so really want to blame Kevin. But
2: fair, fair enough. Yeah, so he was, was... In, he was in coverage, but um, yes, but only kind of. But still, like you know, not not a he'd <laughs> have been time. involved on the Kamara quake. Oh, maybe involved so. in the
0: Kamara quake. I mean, he's not. I mean, Alexander's the guy who like just tried to launch himself into it. It Didn't work. Yeah, I feel like Kevin King might have been involved there too.
2: I should have looked this up. I, I mean,
0: don't know. Everybody but, shares uh,
2: blame on the Kamara. Everybody on the field is culpable. <laughs> yes, there. I
1: think eleven dudes are running laps after that play.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be a fun film day. Um, not great. <laughs> also, Adrian Amos had a bad game. Um, and. Mm-hmm. J- yeah, Jr. saw him miss a bunch of plays in, in week one, which, in fact, he did do and looked bad in this game, too. So also worth pointing that out. So Savage has had a bad season, but Amos um, keeps missing in run support, too. I do think it's also just a little trickier for everybody without Clark there. Um, it, people get more free run into the secondary where they can make better cuts and things like that than they usually do when they have to go through that guy. But uh, kind of an ugly defense. Not great. Not a big Patton fan right now. Um, but hopefully, hopefully it all works out. Um, Arcon pointed out, and I can be packing company Slack again. Their non-garbage time numbers are still really good on defense. That their EPA per play. Right, but he
1: he redefined garbage
2: time. He, he, it's okay. We should make that caveat, which is he defines garbage time as any time when you have. Um, more than a 95% chance of winning the game. So anytime the other side has only a 5% chance or less, he considers that garbage time by by win percentage. So that is different. Most people define garbage time by like a quarter or up by 17 with X to go or something like that. Um, And that's very specific, so. I, and it's worth mentioning that because it's not like the Packers are sitting there with a WPA calculator and like, all right, ninety five percent chance. Take take the foot off the gas, Mike. That's not how this works. A lot of a lot of the time, it has looked like the other team has still had a chance. So, um, but it, it, it basically when they try to stop the pass, they've been good, debatably, but bad at all other times and terrible and gar- just awful in garbage time. Much worse than other teams are in garbage time. So, n- not great. Um, other thing worth mentioning: Preston Smith. Very bad. Is he bad, man? Just not. Who? uh exi- <laughs> Exactly. And, and there's not really an excuse for that. Uh, yeah, Clark's gone, but he was—he should be good on his own. Zedarius has been good moving around to other spots, even if he's not putting up big numbers, with Gary sort of taking over his spot. Preston Smith's done nothing, and get getting beat very badly when forced into pass coverage. I, I saw a stat today. He's generated one pressure in 53 pass rushes so far which is just unacceptable. Like, That's very very much sub-Kyler Fackrell, and you can't have that from that guy. Uh, and if he was going to be contributing on run defense, it hasn't shown up. Uh, he's kind of there to be the run defense outside linebacker. He's the heavy. He's the one that's supposed to fill... W- the one that you can't take advantage of, like Zedarius, who's a little lighter. Um, he is... Uh, it's early. It's been three games. But I know we've been talking about him as a potential not on the team next year, which is a huge change from last year. But uh, they can save $8 million on salary cap if they move on from Preston. So something worth watching and keeping in mind going forward, too. Well, they can save twelve
1: if he's a June 1st cut.
2: Yeah, the, the June 1st thing. Always, always a little different. But, um, but that's a lot of money, especially with the cap probably tightening up. And uh, if he's going to have a bad year, it's not a good time for it. What if he's hurt?
0: I mean, you just don't go from being as explosive as he was last year to being... Almost a, a non factor without some sort of position change or something. It's uh, it's very strange. And for Sean Gary's out for any length of time, you know,
2: who's going to rush the quarterback, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Zedarius from the B gap. That's
2: or, true. Or they move Zedarius back, but then I, I don't know what's going to happen on the inside if they do that. It, it, Gotta play got to move Clark back I keep, soon.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. Groins are tricky. The, gro- the groin so- is. The, is the it. hamstring of the front
2: they do have the buy coming <laughs> up though, too. like they've only got to get through one more game before they do the, the buy they then... might
1: they might not have the buy they oh, might not have right. the buy coming up
2: <laughs> so it just um the news broke today that uh the, the tennessee titans tested positive for a bunch of covid and they just played the vikings so apparently there was one coach that had it before the game and now there's what is it eight players infected a, bunch of players infected. Is is
1: three player three players and five three personnel. players five yes. personnel
2: okay um so it's uh it's possible that w- what we'll lose our buy by fl- flexing things around with the Vikings is that the scenario there uh,
0: look, like what's the scenarios because I yeah. haven't seen the Packers being involved I mean obviously there's a lot of moving parts if you need to cancel a postpone games yes. but I didn't see the Packers in the mix
2: there. I saw them in the mix for losing their buy but I didn't follow up as to why that was
1: there was a ch- there was a chance that some game was going to get flexed up to week four, and then the Packers buy would be moved to week seven. Okay, okay. Or week five, or whatever. Like, it was going to be moved up to week five, so the Packers buy would be pushed back a couple weeks.
2: Okay, so that was just a rumor.
1: It's but there's there's a non-zero chance the Packers have a week seven bye instead.
0: I feel like it's to your advantage to have a later buy at this point because it gives you added flexibility to uh to get a game in. Versus having that buy behind you, and now suddenly you've got your booked for the next twelve weeks, and try to figure out how to get a game in if somebody on you know if another team comes down with COVID or you have COVID.
2: Yeah, now that you mention it, it seems very strange that they started the buys this early. Generally speaking, I think you'd want to have them as late as possible for everybody for that very reason.
0: Totally agree. Well, or a second buy, which of course is a whole another can of worms. Yeah. But
1: okay, so to, it's they, it, they
0: it, should, it, I agree; it should have been addressed.
1: So I see the the issue could be. Um, the Vikings Texans game. That's that's where the issue would lie.
2: Okay, so if they got to go, so f- if, a if the Vikings team.
1: can't play the Texans,
2: all right, then How, that yeah. would be just terrible. No reason to play that game at all. Those teams are both awful. Um, just cancel it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't, and, and and if the Vikings come back with with okay tests, that game is still going to happen. It and is, right yeah. now. I, I would. Sounds like that game isn't really. Endangered per se, but the Titans Steelers game is like a in my mind a super long shot to certainly a super long shot to be played on Sunday, yeah. Um, possibly Monday, Tuesday, whatever. But like even then, it's hard to imagine that actually happening in time for, for this week.
2: Yeah, it's a tough scenario. They've told them to prepare with no practice with the possibility of doing walkthroughs the day before, and that's it, which is just seems insane and, and I don't know, risky. Uh, maybe it's not a health well, it's health risk yeah. because of COVID, but. It's going to make for a a bad game, just a bad spot to be in. Ah, Oh, well. Uh, uh, So we talked about the defense sucking, which is a continuing theme. But the offense was awesome. And uh, the Saints have an actual pretty good defense. They haven't been quite as good this year as they were last year, where they were like a top-five defense. But uh, they just tore through them like, like nothing. And even without Devontae Adams, even without Aaron Jones really working on the ground, it was really a sight to behold, and um, as we speak, Alan Lazard is number one in DVOA at Football Outsiders, um, best in the league. Most division had a fantastic game. Uh, I think the catch where he, he first of all he needs better shoes because he trips a lot, but the uh, <laughs> the bomb he caught where he was falling down and still reeled that in. Is just incredible. really incredible. That was great. <laughs> um, I I don't know how you have that kind of body control when you're falling over to make that catch, like w- coming in that hot. Just just an insane catch, and not even any doubt that um, he pulled it. Uh,
1: Alan Lazard also has a. I think it's called receiver rating. He has a perfect receiver rating. Oh uh, yeah, like it, his it, his it, win tart his win targeted stats are one fifty eight.
2: Yep. When Aaron Rodgers targets him, he has the highest passing percentage that you can have, or passing whatever passer rating that you can have. Um, so incredible there and all the tight ends showed up. They all played pretty well in mm-hmm. you know, all spread out. But um Bob had a good game. E- Even Jace had a pretty good game, finally actually hauled some catches in, was sprung wide open a few times. Doesn't look terribly fast, but uh he was effective. And Mercedes Lewis when he's the, that wide open. Yep. And Mercedes Lewis with the veteran move to get himself open. Um uh he didn't
1: even touch he just
2: barely touched it, him it, that's why it's what? a veteran move like he, he uh in slow motion it looked fantastic like it, it was like just a little tiny push body like i'm huge or not shrug off um i wouldn't have called it either I, I i liked how the umpires or the umpires the announcers handled that one with just like well they called the saints for it like five plays ago but it doesn't really look that bad so. Um. big man at the YMCA energy there. The, the motion, the, the movements
0: of Mercedes Lewis, uh, there was another play on the other end of the goal line where, uh, Aaron Rogers had to throw it away, but it was, it was, it was awkward. Uh, just as the touchdown was awkward, little, little push, <laughs> little, little veteran push, but, uh, uh, that ends up being really big. That's now two touchdowns that Aaron Rodgers has thrown to first-round draft picks, both both <laughs> to Mercedes and Lewis.
2: Uh,
0: and <laughs> uh, and I should point, I need to point out, Patrick Mahomes threw a touchdown to Eric Fisher, his left tackle, this week. Another first-round draft pick. The Chiefs are equipping no. their quarterback. First.
1: First With overall the, draft first pick.
0: Overall. overall draft pick. Dang right. These see the Chiefs are equipping their their quarterback to throw touchdowns. Yep, but well um, that
1: was that was the first touchdown reception by a first overall pick since Keyshawn Johnson.
0: No yep. way, yes, really? It was. Yep.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes, because it was.
0: Skill guys outside of quarterbacks, they don't go number one. They don't oh. go
1: first overall. They don't.
2: Yeah. Oh. it's nuts. Uh, it's
0: interesting.
1: Calvin Johnson went went second, third,
0: second. I, mm, actually, I don't know. Charles Rogers, I believe, went second. I sometimes confuse their drafts, their draft position. Yeah.
2: They had all those receivers all in tight succession, so I always forget to. I believe Johnson mm-hmm. did go second as well. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, something to note, though, uh, people are saying that Lazard was playing the Devonte role. Yes and no. Um, according to Marquez Valdez Scantling's Twitter, he was receiving the Devonte coverage but so he said that he was getting double teamed and treated as if he was Devonte. So at least the saints thought the MVS was going to be the number
2: one. I think that's true. Uh, I actually think, uh, so Lazar did a lot of his damage from the slot. He was, uh, lined up in tight pretty often. They definitely did some extra coverage on Aaron Jones. Um, the Packers tested that early and they kept rolling a safety over to Jones. And, and I, I do think they had MVS double covered quite a few times too. Uh, I, they switched over to Lazard later in the game, and he started having to work a little harder. But th- those first couple big catches were from the, from the slot and just burning guys who had no business covering him. So I I, I think MVS Be- is honest there. I think that's actually true. Speaking of
0: burning, speaking of hottest take of the week, I okay. think Paul, you should. Uh... Should explain your flaming hot take that you posted to Acme Packing <laughs> Company, talking about. Oh
1: my god!
0: But why the the Packers still should have taken a receiver early in the twenty twenty draft?
2: <laughs> so yes, I wrote this today, and they still should have taken a receiver. So their offense is awesome; it's like the best offense in the league. But Marquez felt the scaling is b- still bad, and his stats are exactly the same as they've always been. His catch percentage is under fifty percent. Um, he. He has a very lofty yards per catch rate. He's he's over 20 yards. That's high. He's usually around 16. But a lot of that is a function of just how far away they were from the end zone when he caught it. So he's a useful player because he is like the only deep threat on the team. But if you compare him to other deep threats in the league, which I did, um, anybody who had at least, um, I I think I did eight receptions and at least 15 yards per catch, um, there are only three receivers that catch fewer of those balls. And remember, this is just deep receivers, so not comparing them to guys who just catch 80% of their checkdowns. The only three that are lower are Quintus Cephas, who is a rookie who started week one for Kenny Galladay and caught uh, three of his first 10 targets. Um, Danny Amendola, also on the Lions, who is their slot receiver who has been sent deep too many times for no good reason and um, Anthony Miller on the Bears, who's had to catch passes from Mitch Trubisky the whole year, and that's why his catch percentage sucks. Also, he's not very good. So those are the only guys that MVS has caught more uh, higher percentage of targets than. He's got Aaron Rodgers throwing to him basically in God mode, and you've seen all the MVS drops. So it hasn't been that big a deal because they've been able to run heavy most games. They've been able to run with 12 and 21 personnel with an extra fullback or multiple tight ends. And that's fine. It worked good in this game. Um, it works good against most teams um, because the Shanahan-LeFleur offense works good when the other team plays a light defense and you either get them to bring in somebody heavy to combat the run or you get them to um, c- to go light and then you pound them with Jones or you find a mismatch and you you know shift guys out wide. That'll work until you run into a team with an actual good defense, with some good coverage linebackers, like the 49ers. And then, the way you want to combat that is by going to 11 personnel or more. And if the Packers have to stretch to four four wide receivers, they suck. Um, the depth chart right now behind MVS is Darius Shepard and Malik Taylor. Um, that, that's what you're looking at there. And that's and, it. And, and keep End of mind, list. Keep in mind, Devontae Adams is hurt right now, and Devontae Adams gets hurt pretty often. So... If you, get it, if you get into a situation against a team that can defend heavy and you got to spread them out, you're looking at some pretty crappy receivers to do so. Uh, MVS is, I think, legitimately the third best receiver on the team because those two... Malik Taylor, might, I don't know. Nobody knows what Malik Taylor is. And I have no clue. But uh, he, he is... Darius Shepard got 23 snaps this yes, week. He played yeah. a lot. I don't think Malik Taylor is being thought of as anything more than a special teams guy. No, I don't think so. Um, but you don't want any of them playing any major minutes. So um, the thing... If you run into the 49ers in the the playoffs, which maybe you won't because they're not that good this year, or like the Ravens in the Super Bowl who have a defense that can hang with a Shanahan offense, you need better receivers than you have. So this will work most of the time, but this was a great receiver draft. You are not deep at receiver. Lazard has been great. Adams is great. But if any of them go down, you get... You get trashy real quick, and if you run into a situation that can exploit that, you got you have nothing to come back at it with. So that's why that was the piece, and I got yelled at a lot because Nagler um, immediately retweeted it with a me- with a, a you know a meme instead of arguing with it because that's that's how Aaron rolls a lot of the time. And then I got inundated with cheese the TV people because that's what happens there. <laughs> it's been a fun day on Twitter.
0: Here's the biggest problem with what you're saying. None of that can all be fit into a headline,
2: which is what the majority of people will see. So, (laughs) no, you're right. That's what you're going to get roasted over the coals for. Absolutely true. Um, It's hard to make a headline there. So, Um, everybody this season is like, MVS doesn't suck their offense. How can you complain about their offense? Blah, 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 blah. Um, Oh, and who would you have drafted at receiver? Well, I would have done the draft completely different because I wouldn't have taken Jordan Love and I would have taken. The guys they took a lot later, so I would have Justin Jefferson or something. I don't know, a bunch of good guys, but I'm not the GM, so who cares?
0: Correct me if I'm wrong here, but from my perspective, it seems like when they're drafting, they're not really thinking about the current year at all, and that's held up with, you know, you get a guy like Elton Jenkins every now and then who just emerges and forces his way onto the roster. But Elton Jenkins wasn't going to be a starter when they went to camp last year. You know, it just worked out that he was the best guy available. In fact, if I recall, he wasn't the starter in Week One. Lane Taylor. Still had that spot, yeah. so I don't think they're drafting for the current year ever. Now, a lot of these receivers you'd think would be back in 2021, so I don't know if they felt like looking at the next year's roster, if they wanted to, if they felt like they needed to start grooming a new receiver now, with that in mind. Whereas, we don't know if Jordan Love went, you know, obviously, quarterbacks a whole different can of worms, yeah. but AJ Dillon. Makes sense because you've got two guys in a contract year, so you know you're going to need somebody. I mean, they're, I, that, that seems to be their strategy over the last several years, three years especially with with Gutikuts. But I—I um, I, I don't know. I still like a lot of people. I still think there's just there certainly was room on the roster.
2: Yeah. for I mean, another wideout. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think you should draft for need, and I don't think they do most of the time. I I do think the draft looks a little bit like they did draft for need to some extent, or at least to to mold their roster more to Lafleur's system with. I think that's Deguera and giant Mm -hmm. A.J. Dillon, too, to some extent. Um, It is So I'll say this. It's complicated by love, and I don't really object to taking a quarterback. I don't think he's a great prospect. But they did sacrifice a lot of their flexibility to move up and down the draft when they took love because they did trade up to do that and gave away some picks that would have allowed them to trade up and down in other places. And it is true that in a lot of the spaces that they ended up picking, there were not— I would say value commensurate receivers available. It would have been a reach to take receivers there. Um, so all true. So it's not like there was no logic to how they proceeded in the draft. All that said, I, I would, I mean, I would have done this completely differently. I would have not taken Jordan love and I would have sacrificed, I think a few um, higher, or higher, lower picks to get at least one of the, the, the really good, you know, high pedigree receivers uh, they, they just don't – it's not an area of depth. Even if you're taking one as a developmental project, you'll still need one in a couple of years. Like, there's, there's <laughs> not a big pipeline for receivers here right now. Uh, and it can get you into trouble. Like, it, look no further than Minnesota for how it can get you into trouble. Like, without Diggs, they really turned trashy pretty good. Now, they picked Jefferson, who had a good game this week, and their offense kind of bounced back. But uh receiver is important, and I am a little bit scared what happens if they – do lose Devonte for any length like, of time? We talked about it last week. I think they can go like th- two or three games without Devonte and have the scheme carry them. But they'll get figured out if it's just Lazard and you know burner guy and and trash monsters behind him.
1: But like it, this isn't this isn't like the years where you had Jeff Janis as your seventh wide receiver. This is we we have four, and that's it. Yeah, it, like it, when you say trash monsters behind him, there's there's a couple trash monsters and then no one.
2: The one I would, the season I might fear a little bit is actually the '96 Super Bowl year when, like, all of the receivers did get hurt. Antonio Freeman got hurt. Uh, I think Robert Brooks got hurt. They ended up being carried by Don Beebe for like four games, and really yeah. one of the only reasons they won. Andre the, uh, Yeah, the, Andre under just happened to be out there for them to grab. That's usually not the case. Not lucky. <laughs> You know, those guys don't come around or aren't, don't just exist out there in free agency late in seasons most of the time. So, um well, I mean, Ryan Grant is available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Former Packer Ryan Grant. Um, the, the, the other one. Man, I always forget he existed. We're talking about Super Bowls. Let's just bring back Ryan Grant.
0: No, not that one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, hey, man, if you want to talk about, like, free agent wide receivers, you got Des Bryant, Antonio Brown.
0: Uh... <laughs> there choices <laughs> that are available.
1: Uh, Michael Finley Paul, thinks I... that he's the best tight end in football.
0: He, he's something. Well, I love how you wrote on the rundown. I love how you wrote on the rundown, the tight ends, who was your favorite? Yeah, who's your That's favorite? a great way to talk about the tight end. I agree. Mine is Sternberger, because uh, I, I wasn't sure Sternberger would contribute at all, and he looked, he looked fine.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Large Robert.
2: <laughs> Large Robert had a good game. Um, it's, I was corrected by, by Arcon as well, because I said that I was right in the mini-pod last week in saying that the tight ends would probably contribute, but none of them would be fantasy relevant. Um, Large Robert, the fourth highest scoring tight end in fantasy this week, with his 50-yard nice. one-touchdown <laughs> performance. um uh, Maybe we should not have tight ends in fantasy because that's not good. That's that shouldn't be the fourth highest scoring player. That's ridiculous. You're,
1: no, your your tight ends traditionally is either going to get three points in a PPR league or get ten because he got a touchdown.
2: That's I guess I'm just spoiled it. by the Grunk Jimmy in his prime era, which is not the usual era. Yeah. So yeah, you're right.
1: Or or Kelsey, like Kelsey's always good for like twelve that's points. True, he is,
2: but the. Uh,
0: between your your tight ends fantasy take your Josh Allen takes it's it's been it wasn't the best week for you Paul
2: but I said Josh Allen uh, I, mean, I said I said it was wrong well, about I'm talking, Josh Allen last week I know I know I know <laughs> I'm just saying it was
0: further yes. further wounded by future MVP Josh Allen That's having true. yet another great game in yeah. week 3 He looks fantastic I
2: can't believe I <laughs> fixed him
0: <laughs> Wasn't that funny Oh oh who else isn't that? Oh, you're you're saying he is the future MVP He might I mean, be he looks great <laughs> You know, yeah, he. You know, I don't think he would be. I, th- I think it'll be a more traditional name because so, I don't think the Bills <laughs> are going to wind up the top say in the that, East, uh, or in the AFC.
1: Oh God, no. <sighs> uh, Torico was that who was on the broadcast? Yeah,
2: it was
0: Torico.
1: Ald Tunyon, Big Bob, and so, I was like, Oh my God, it's said Big Bob on the on the broadcast. This is the greatest basically. thing ever, and I tweeted it. Uh, Corey Lindsley's wife, Anna Lindsley, follows me. She liked that tweet, so. It is now in the ethos it's yeah. it's official it's it has crossed over into the packers realm big That's bob awesome. for
2: real uh, big bob uh, a, also said oh go ahead oh it's such a great nickname like yeah uh, he should stick around just for the nickname we we did have a question <laughs> if, if we like tariko that, that was one of our questions for the week so loved That's him good. loved him i think Tariko's fantastic uh
0: I mean, honestly, I, this is stupid, but like I showed up, I, I, I was hanging out on a patio with a couple buddies. I showed up to called the game. It did not even dawn on me until halfway through the game that Tariko isn't the normal guy. Cause he's obviously a voice you've heard on national broadcast before. It didn't even occur to me that that wasn't Al Michaels, you know, or like that. It wasn't that it was unusual. Yeah. So, uh, so that I think I saw it on Twitter, like, Oh, Tarico's doing a great job. Like, Oh man, this isn't his normal gig. But uh, he's he's just one of the one of the greats of the moment. I mean, he is, he's not standing play by play guy. He is the perfect perfect blend of excitement at the right time. Uh, he he's without overdoing it, and he uh, he ha- he adds a little bit. We I yelled at the TV when he said that's the that's Sternberger's first career catch because I thought that was <laughs> nonsense, and then it's like wait a minute. He doesn't have a regular season catch. Not That's a regular actually season accurate. Catch.
2: He has postseason. Tirico
0: actually went back and corrected himself, saying, oh, okay. "Oh, he's got some postseason catches." So it's just just brilliant. I love it.
2: Yeah, I, I'm a I love Tarico. I think he's great. All the same reasons. He he, I think is just this great blend of like not full of himself. Like just really comes off as like trying to be a teacher of what he's seeing, and you know, not add fake enthusiasm to it. Like it's always exactly correct when he does it. So I like him a lot. My only complaint is. That uh, he called the Soul Train line line dancing, but uh, that's can, can be excused for that.
0: <laughs> and the choreography needed some work. These guys had a lot of extra time in practice this year, and it is not solid the choreography. Yeah,
2: agreed. It was not a great Soul Train line, and I, I could see where it, w- it would break down for you if you were trying to match it up. Did you
1: guys see Alan Lazard in the like the background of Aaron Jones Wave celebrating it. his touchdown? Yeah, he just kind of. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is my catch that got us here. They put us on the doorstep by the way. <laughs> so good.
2: All so right. questions? Uh let's 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 do it really 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 quick bit on Atlanta that I just want to touch on real quick. And I'll do, I'll do more in the mini pod, but um just we we should talk about it because they had uh they had the epic 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 collapse against uh the Bears. The, the Bears keep... epic collapse is your favorite. The, the Bears keep doing this and it's annoying. Um but the the Falcons keep doing it too. It was like the the team that it takes advantage of epic collapses against the most epic collapsing team of all time. Uh, <laughs> and th- one of the reasons this keeps happening is this is a, they're very much like the Lions. They're run by a defensive-minded guy who's not a very good coach in Dan Quinn. And this is a fun fact I found just researching them um today that so they've had better second halves um for the last 3 years. Like They've, they've struggled 2017, 2018, 2019, but especially 2018, 2019, um, and then come on really strong at the end of the year, especially defensively. Um, last year, um, Dan Quinn took over defensive coordinator uh, for the first half of the season, and they were terrible, and then halfway through prom- promoted Raheem Morris to defensive coordinator, and they got instantly good, and now he's the permanent defensive coordinator. Um, if you go back and look at the strength of schedule for first halves and second halves for them, the turnaround for them is entirely based on the people they played against. They just had garbage strength of schedule second half, and they don't seem to actually have realized that that's the reason that they suddenly got better. They had nothing that they did changed anything. So um, they came into the season, um, I think, thinking they were better than they were, and they're really bad on defense, like really, really, really bad on defense. Uh, they're gonna get lit up again by the Packers. They're okay on offense, but you know they're their normal Matt Ryan offense, kind of Matthew Stafford esque, um, with a Matthew Stafford esque good receiver to throw to, you. and an, another like Calvin Ridley's actually the best receiver this year because Julio has been hurt. But uh, this is like Packer defense wheelhouse. Like they they suck at running. They don't run much. Um, they, they don't play action much. They basically just throw to receivers in normal sets. And that this is like Mike Patton bases his whole defense around stopping Atlanta. Like this is it's like <laughs> you, you, if if you're like, "Oh, this is what football is. I I can stop that. That's how it's built. We have corners. They stop the pass. We don't care about the run. We don't ca- we, we don't we don't care about any tricks or anything like that." Um they they're, they're going to destroy Atlanta next week. They're going to just tear them apart. So, should be fun again. Yeah.
1: So, can we talk betting numbers?
2: Oh yeah, what's the line?
1: So the line is Packer's minus seven and a half um with the over under at fifty eight
2: yeah, that sounds about right um take the over why not the average seventy one
1: percent of the money is yeah. going to the over
2: the average n f l game is hitting on fifty one this year, which is way up from usual so uh, I think the Packers hit that. So the, I took a
0: look at the scoreboard on Sunday during the early games, and I was just like, "What is this?" An air like everybody's in the 20s, the upper 20s and 30s. It was a, it was shootouts across the board. Mm-hmm. It,
1: but, uh, player, Atlanta is 32nd in points allowed. Just so,
2: just this is going to be a fifty burger. It is. It's going to be a fifty burger. Yeah, F-
1: gonna... fifty burger with cheese. They're
2: going to put it on them. <laughs> there, there's like. I I always try to find some reason that the other team might win, like and honestly, the Saints almost kind of pulled it off. But there is, if if the Falcons win, it'll be just out of nowhere, just random football nonsense, or they change something drastically on the fly because th- there are, there are no Atlanta strengths that the Packers aren't good at, or and vice versa, they're, they're going to just destroy them. Should be fun. Looking forward to it. Let's do questions. So no, another <laughs>
1: thing of note, uh, sorry, real quick, That's the Packers fine. are three and zero against the spread. And the Falcons are one and two against the spread. So a team who routinely beats the spread is going up against a team who routinely does not.
2: Right. Always a good sign. For the team that does. <laughs> Alright, let's do let's do some of these and, and get on out of here. Um let's see. Uh oh, um, Jonathan Deal. Uh, I like this one. Uh early uh, do the Packers winning to uh winning this it's before the game. Do the Packers winning and keep winning? Um, hurt them in the long run because it'll keep Mike Patton employed sort of the Dom Capers question in a nutshell the
0: um, so uh, Dom Capers won a Super Bowl did that hurt the
2: Packers because they kept him employed kind of it's it sort of <laughs> yeah, maybe, so, maybe so just so Dom Capers um, first two seasons which is the season before the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl the Packers had the number one and number two defenses in the league. They led the league in interceptions by a, a large amount. And from that point on, they they had a, a smattering of decent defenses. 2014 was pretty good. Um, all, the, all the seasons where they almost made the Super Bowl. But um, his stuff got stale pretty quickly. And I do think that Super Bowl win kept him around longer than it should have and... I don't know. I think you can argue that it maybe cost them another one. Now, you got him the one. So, I mean, unless it costs you two, then it doesn't really hurt you long term, right? So, um, I, I'm not sure that's the, the case. But I, I don't like Patton. I, I don't like the fact that he doesn't adjust his game or seemingly can't adjust his game to specific opponent um, tendencies. He didn't do it against the Saints. He uh, the 49ers like what is it with our defensive coordinators not being able to adjust to the goddamn 49ers like it, it's like a <laughs> a 15 year old thing now like and it's the same thing it's like Kaepernick and then it's the all huge rushing attack from Shanahan um, so I, I think it does kind of hurt them if they keep winning but you know if they get a Super Bowl who cares then then it doesn't matter like that's the bottom line and <laughs> all they need for that to happen is like a top 15 defense which I think he's capable of putting out there so um maybe
0: <laughs> i don't know it <laughs> to- strikes me that from a macro view it seems like the, the good defensive coordinator is just somebody who adjusts all the time and the guy might suck today and might be amazing you know next year because the NFL has shifted so it's kind of hard to know exactly how to predict the future but it isn't a good sign when you have somebody who doesn't you know doesn't seem to be able to react to certain things and doesn't seem to in everybody's yelling at their TV last you know, Monday night whenever Sunday night when they played. It's the same play. It's the same thing over and over and over. <laughs> just just move just your dudes move up. Just push them up. I mean people are saying that they don't even know defense. Like that's it's it's easy to see. Yeah. I don't know defense and I was wondering the same thing. Like Drew Brees can't throw twenty yards. Like it's not it's not hiding. It's it's
2: right there for you. Yeah. Just move move your dudes up. I've written about this with capers too and um he did not adjust his game. The thing that got capers is it, uh, there was a league-wide change that started valuing or correctly valuing interceptions is very damaging, and even teams with bad quarterbacks started instructing their quarterbacks to not do risky throws. The Capers' whole defense was based on creating turnovers. The Packers in uh, nineteen or in two thousand ten had thirty-two interceptions, and the uh, last few years the league leaders had like eighteen, uh, which is so basically there's almost been like a fifty. Let's call it a forty percent cut in the average number of interceptions the teams throw if you base your defense around getting interceptions it's not going to work you got to do something else and he just didn't so penn's kind of the same way which is one of the reasons i don't really like him like it's a it's a splash play defense it's getting pressure and sacks and creating like bad situations for quarterbacks but it's hard to run a defense that way it doesn't really work It, it works against garbage quarterbacks but it doesn't work against like eric he would never beat aaron Rodgers. like He's in. Case, there's no way that Mike Pettine would ever beat Aaron Rodgers because he would never throw an interception. <laughs> and so you run into guys like that; it's not going to work. So bad. Not not a fan. Changed it up, uh, Matt. Anything to add before we move on from uh, Mike? No, Patton? it's
1: it's very eloquently said.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody did
0: ask if the woes are fixable. Yep. Uh, obviously, that sort of ties into that. Oh, and why is Preston Smith so overrated? This was a question from Tim new, <laughs> uh, but like the, the, that, that's sort of baked into the question. Are they fixable? Of course, everything's fixable. Is the guy willing to fix them? You know, I mean, it's not, a, it, it doesn't seem like it's a personnel issue because it seems like they have some pretty good guys on the back line. It's uh, they, you know, is the guy going to be willing to fix?
2: It's really that
0: you go three, and zero. it's hard to say you've got to fix stuff.
2: Yep. And, I mean, maybe if they get into their first game that's competitive and they don't enter the garbage time mode, we see them have a good game. I, I don't really buy that. No no offense, Ryan. But uh, it's possible. But I just think there's like a fundamental flaw in the defensive philosophy with letting so much go on the run in the middle of the field and having inside linebackers that are so bad. It, the thing about defense is, like, on offense, you get to pick where the ball goes. You know, you, you get to to throw it to your strongest guys. You get to pick out weak spots. And on defense, you don't get to do that. Other people get to pick on you. And yeah, you can focus on one thing over another. But if you have some glaring weaknesses on your team, uh, any good offensive coordinator is going to just pick it to death. And that's what keeps happening to Patton. Like, it's so easy to identify where he's not defending or where the Packers have weak spots. And he, it just happens over and over and over again until, um, you know, there's a touchdown, really. <laughs> uh, so it. Uh, he's He's got to be willing to make some drastic changes from what he's used to, have some f- philosophy bents on on actually having some guys who can actually thump on the run or trusting linebackers to actually cover in some circumstances. But right now it's just so easy to get through a patent defense if you really want to do it. Hope, yes. And Preston Smith is bad, but we don't know why. We already covered that. No idea. It's very strange. Maybe he's hurt. Next question from Neil Olson. <laughs> Speaking, speaking of
0: maybe he's hurt, why yeah. is Redmond getting snaps over Raven Green? He's still not 100% back from injury. Uh, I think that kind of answers the question right there. I mean, I'm, I have to think. They, they've shown that they like Raven Green, yeah. so I think it's an injury
2: thing with him. It, it has to be an injury thing. He, he was injured. We know he was injured. And it's pretty clear he's better than Will. So I, I think once he's healthy, he gets that spot until he gets hurt again. But yeah, it, there's no reason that they would keep sending Will Redmond out there after that effort, especially. Um, Green's their guy when he's healthy. He just got to be healthy. But he's a tiny man playing a big man role. So that's tough. Um <laughs> I take the next one? You want Max's? Right. Yes. All right. You do that.
1: Oh, Matt, uh, Mad Max says, I went from preseason expectations of 9-7 to, to Super Bowl or bust in three weeks. It's unlike me to feel this optimistic about one of my teams. Bring me down from my emotional high and tell me something I should be concerned about to temper my expectations. I made a joke two weeks ago that remains true. I said... 2011 Rogers is back, but he brought the 2011 defense with him.
2: <laughs> I do think they're better than the 2011 defense. I will say that, um, but I mean the, D- the DVOA is it's like it's exactly the it's, same. It's bad. It's very bad. Um, we'll see what we might get some better defensive waiting. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, but th- I mean that is the problem. <laughs> but yes, so that, that is the problem. It's, though. it's like, 2011
1: all over again, Max. and down the hatches.
2: They had like the best offense of all time. They went 15 and one um, and. Lost when they ran into a real defense and with a decent offense behind it, and that's that's what you got to be worried about. They do have to do something about defense. It has to get better than it has been. Now, if they don't, they will run into trouble when the playoffs roll around. Like, have you seen Seattle play? Because Seattle, will, Seattle will put up sixty on this team right now. Russell Wilson is incredible. He's he, probably him and Mahomes, the only two playing anywhere close to Rogers and maybe better than Rogers. Th- that's not going to work. <laughs> the Seattle defense isn't good either. But you got to be able to stop something. So um, that's why you don't get too high. because I would say that's yeah. the thing that really brings you down. Seattle Seahawks are better than the
0: Packers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, wouldn't, I would not put my money on Green Bay, no matter how good they look those first three weeks, because Seattle's been better.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. It, it's a hard... Also, like, the 49ers haven't been great. They've been... Every single person on the team has been injured. But if they get healthy in the second half and squeak into the playoffs, they're an immediate giant threat to the Packers as well, because they know exactly how to beat the Packers. They've already done it. So, yeah, there's reasons to not be too excited. And all that said, like, halfway, half of getting through the playoffs is just getting lucky in your matchups, which the 2010 team did. Like, they got the perfect matchups all throughout the playoffs and missed a couple of potentially super good teams. Like, number one in DVOA, it was the Patriots. Got knocked out by uh, the Steelers at some point, and a um, bunch of other good teams just didn't fall into their way. I mean, Giants didn't fall into their way for once, thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um yeah, it. it that, that's why you temper your expectations. There are lots of other good teams too, and uh, as good as they've looked, they're certainly flawed. Yeah. It's the Beastquake year,
0: so the Saints get bounced, having to go to Seattle to f- face off with a uh, with a team that had a losing record, and they lost. <laughs> so uh, that was that was
2: helpful, and the Saints out of there. Yep, indeed. All right. Um, should we do Acilatam, which is Metallica backwards? Frequent questioner of the Tailgate Podcast. Um, all offseason, we heard Rodgers needed help. Draft came and went no receiver. Funches opted out. Cut Kumaro. Derry Shepherd's back. Woo! Um, where is the disconnect? <laughs> Do the daysayers not understand the scheme? Is it luck, or are they overachieving? And um, as much as I ripped on MVS today, uh, this Matt LaFleur is actually good at all the things that we've been criticizing Patton for not being good at. He has done a, a remarkable job with the talent he does have on his team, scheming up creative plays, pushing the ball where it where it should go Um, just I don't think uh, I I didn't expect Alan Lazard to have that game uh, on Sunday um, at all like I like Alan Lazard a lot I think he's very good but I think of him more as like the second banana efficient guy catch first downs and move him to the slot um, with Devante out got him on lesser corners and just burn the heck out of him so um, the nice like the disconnect is that this is a lot of Lafleur scheme and Rodgers buying into it and performing at a level he hasn't for you know five six seven years. So that's the disconnect. I still think he could use a few more weapons. That they might be limited when they get pushed. But um, if your scheme works and your quarterback's on board with it and it's creative enough, um, it's gonna. I mean, we, they've talked a lot about guys getting college open, um, which is you know NFL opens like a few inches, college opens a few feet, and. Packer receivers are getting just wide open based on the scheme, and to some extent, anybody can do that. If you know, if the scheme gets you that open, you'll get that open. Doesn't matter if you're fast or slow or anything else. So, that's it.
0: We had a couple questions that I think we've kind of answered. Quentin Wetzel asking about Lazar just yeah. now. Evan Weston uh, concerned about the d- defense being 28th in DVOA. We are. <laughs> we are
2: concerned. Uh, then Dakota
0: <laughs> Dakota Klaus has what's the top? This is something we talked about last week. The yeah. top dollar amount the Packers should should go to retain Aaron Jones. If his price range is more than that, then the Dylan pick makes sense. I would assume they'd bring Williams back at the cheaper amount, make it easier to bring back Bakhtiari also. I, um last week said that I felt the Packers would definitely pay Aaron Jones, whether or not I, I thought that was a good idea or not. It just felt like that's where we were headed. I actually am not, not as sure seeing David Bakhtiari just clean up on another game and look so outstanding. <laughs> I actually now think... Might have been wrong that they maybe would just <laughs> pony up, back up the truck for David Bakhtiari, and 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 that is an area where they would save would be running back.
2: Yeah, he was so good in that game. There are some just great clips of him just eating people and pancaking people. I think I landed on seven mil for Aaron Jones. It was my max. so, so
1: last week yeah. we came to a conclusion after we were done recording at Austin Eckler's contract. We were all comfortable oh, yeah. with Austin Austin Eckler money. So, if if they paid Aaron Jones, like Austin Eckler, we would all just be excited. But he's going to get Le'Veon Bell money, and that's sad.
0: Yep. I think that's it. So, you're comfortable with seven. To reiterate, you're comfortable with seven-ish. Yeah. He's yeah. going to get double that. Yes. Yes.
2: That's right. So, that's where we landed. All right. Um, oh, yeah. So, that is all the questions that we have. Uh, nice, tidy show. Um, and we should really destroy Atlanta. So it should be another fun Sunday. Very much looking so much better than the TV options tonight. Um, of, of just old men yelling at each other and baseball. Did that
0: debate finally end? uh, I hope it should be over by now. Yes.
2: Hopefully it's over. Uh, we survived. Thank goodness. Um,
1: sweet meteor death 2020. Let's go. uh,
2: But tomorrow should be fun. There's baseball all day long. Um, the Brewers game won't end until midnight, which is unfortunate, but the rest of it should be fun. And, uh, should be a fun one this weekend. Oh, man. Uh, I'm just
0: going through the tweets. All right. <laughs> I'm just going through the tweets now looking back at the uh the the reactions to the late part of this. This is um this is something. I'm sorry, continue your yeah, outro.
2: I'm I'm done with my outro. <laughs> That's fine. Let's let's just go. I hope everybody survived the debate, okay? I hope there's nothing that terrible happened while we were recording this not watching it. Uh don't watching debates is a bad idea. Just don't do it. It's just a just a it makes you dumber. It, it just makes you stupider. Everybody who watched the debate is stupider. That's probably good for... Nah, no, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and uh, Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll be back
1: next week. Let's kick it. Ice, ice, baby. Ice, ice, baby. All right, stop.
0: Collaborate and listen. I sit back with my brand new invention. Yeah. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Flow like a hawk. Daily and nightly, will it ever
1: stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal, light up a stage and wax a chump like a candle. Dance, Dance. karate speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom. Deadly when I play a dope melody. Anything less than the best is a felony. Love it or leave it, you bet I can.